Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Knife Talk podcast. We're here to keep you company in the shop, answer your questions, talk about knives, talk about life. Uh, I am Mareko Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts. As always, I'm here with Jeff Fader of Fader Knives and El Capitan, Mr. Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. Uh, yeah, we come here every week to chat it up, have a good time. Uh, it sounds like we have some good conversation to pick up from last week. Uh, but let's start about, or start with how the last week has been for you guys. How's the last week been? Yeah, um, good. Yeah, not bad. Um, we've we've had a bit of a couple of days of it here with storms, really bad rain, and we actually had a leak into the house. Oh no! Horrible in into the into the girls' bedroom too. So we've had to get somebody out and fix that, and um, but that's all done now, thankfully. Um, but no, good. Um, I've been working on my Dharma steel knife. Um, I've, I've, yeah, I've ground out bevels and, and, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's looking good. I've, I've really taken my time in it this week because I haven't, I haven't been grinding for so, so long mm. and, um, yeah, just really taking my time with it and I'm really pleased with, with how it's looking. So yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Nice. Yeah. I think I mentioned last week, this week, well, what the, the the last episode because we only recorded that last Sunday, so it's been less than a week. Um, but it feels as if this week is almost like back to school um, for me. The weather's changed. Well, mm. the kids are literally back to school, but it really does feel as if like right buckle down time, you know. And it's yeah, yeah it feels quite nice. It does feel nice. Yeah, those that. cold fall days they remind yeah. me exactly like the smell of the leaves on the ground and yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's giving me a kick up the ass and. Um, it feels good too. Yeah, I like it. The old kick like, up the ass. I like a kick up the ass. <laughs> 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 yeah, Reco, how have yes. you been? We missed you. We missed you last week. I I missed being there. Um, but we were busy going to concerts and stuff, and we had a very busy week and especially planned. Um, and so, but it was good. Uh, and but my wife ended up getting COVID. Eh. Think, she thinks maybe last Saturday after from the concert. <laughs> she had some s- disgusting human breathing down her th- neck. Anyways, um, and then so There's no way to talk about husband. <laughs> Why you talk about yourself like that? <laughs> I know. Um, I I don't have anything, uh, so I felt bad for her. She's been kind of staying quarantined in our bedroom and dealing with it and trying to keep it away from us because, especially the kid kid is back in school, so don't want to accidentally get the kid infected and then send him to school. So we've been like testing and taking his temp and everything too every day, but otherwise just been wearing a mask just to be uh, careful. Cause he's, he has, he's had for almost a week now, kind of a congestion and a cough. 
Um, I don't know if it has anything to do with the COVID or if it's some other crap he picked up from the class, but anyways. So it's just kind of been, I, I, I've been kind of uh, so, or what is it, single dadding it kind of in nice. a way, <laughs> um, which would, I think, be a lot more fun if the kid also wasn't losing teeth at the same oh, time. Nice. <laughs> He's got this tooth falling out. And that, the way I was when I was a kid is I would just rip the fucking tooth out Me as too. soon as I could. Me too. And he is just like, he let it hang off to the last little piece of flesh that might have been connecting the last little string it was dangling from and this morning he like he was talking and taking a bite of his toast and i could see it just like hanging flapping there like around. a little flap around i was like dude you gotta grab your tooth and he's like what and he put his fingers on it and it came right out wow like, he's like wow my tooth fell out and i was like yeah, yeah. no shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah because we've been trying We've been struggling with it for the last few days just because he's like, he's really, uh, he's not the same way I am where I was ripping my teeth out. He's very like worried about how it's going to feel. And I think sure it's probably still, uh, some like fear of like his body changing and, mm, and yeah. like losing to him. Like you're going to grow a new tooth. Don't worry about it. And, um, it's a classic fear is it losing your teeth, you know? I uh, guess. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't have that problem, <laughs> obviously, yeah. but, um, but his tooth, because it's like, it's been really wobbly in there. It's not exactly wa lining up with everything the way it used to when it was more mm. solid. Right. And so sometimes he'd be eating food and it would like shove the tooth <laughs> up into a weird spot in yeah. his gums and you go ah and like what <laughs> it's like yeah. Yeah. is this better is this better than pulling your tooth out are you having fun with this and we did that for like four days oh and it's just been <laughs> so frustrating because i'm like just let me pull that fucking thing out but what, what does wouldn't. he say when you when you offer He's like, no, I'm scared. Which Except him? for what was weird, he was like all about the first tooth that fell out. He, he was like, yeah, okay. And then I grabbed it and pulled it out of his face. And he was like, oh, that's it? And I was like, yeah, yeah that's it. You saw for money. Well, I, I try actually, it's funny you bring that up. Last night, I was like, I got some cash right here in my wallet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, you let me pull on that tooth. You get to have this money. Whether or not the tooth comes out, this money is yours. Yeah. And he did not bite on it. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I was like, all right, how about this? You, if you pull on that tooth and you can pull it out, I'll give you this money. And he still wouldn't do he it. He needs like some sort of like <laughs> child you know, money. Is He's not ready for money yet. He, he needs like a, money. he needs like a, you know. Gets everything he wants. Right, he right. Does, yeah. You know, he's just yeah, yeah. spoiled little the only child <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My kid had uh, when a kid we, we we she saw a video when she was younger of uh, somebody who pull, who tied uh, the tooth to like a dog and then the dog ran. Yeah, yeah. but we only had a cat at the time, so she tied it to the cat, which was a huge mistake <laughs> because the cat just slowly rolled over and she was just like, mm. ah, ah, ah. didn't pull it out at all. So, I, <laughs> so the cat's the like <laughs> rolling slowly and stupidly, and she's like kind of following the cat, being like. <laughs> so I grabbed the string and I said, "Look, I'll take it out." I said, yeah. "I count to three, and I'll I'll pull it out like a lawnmower." You know, I was starting a lawnmower. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I wrapped the string around my hand and I said, "One." And she, I said, "You count to three, okay?" One. She hit two and I yanked it at two and she goes and she's like, 
you didn't count to three. I said, yeah, you were waiting for three. I was going to get you two. So, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the move. <sighs> the doorknob's another classic. Tie it to a oh, doorknob. Oh, my dad, you see, that's yeah, yeah. You know what I think the problem is? Miracle, he probably doesn't want your fingers in his mouth. That would be, that's what I wouldn't want. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. I usually, like, I'll get, I'll make sure I wash my hands. Yeah, I grab the, a paper towel, too, to just make sure. It's too much. sometimes teeth can be slimy. Yeah, it's too much. Like, so, that's I don't a, know. Yeah, yeah, he does. You know, he's just got a little kid face. Yeah, so, he's cute. Yeah. Cute little Big old kid. mitts. So everything yeah. else is okay? Yeah, other than that, uh, things are good. Oh, I do have one more thing. I, um, I foolishly <laughs> agreed to... And, it, 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 we have a local, like... Um, tourist board oh boy they're d- doing a video i know one of the people i might have mentioned this before i'm sorry if i'm repeating myself but anyways um and they asked they're making a video of local craftsmen and stuff in the area to to post on their social media oh, or website nice. or whatever and so i was like yeah sure i'll do that they're, just, they're like we'll just come in for like a couple hours take some video sure. talk to you a little bit i was like that's fine and not thinking about the fact that my shop is a shithole mess yeah. right now. <laughs> and so now I'm still working on getting it cleaned up, getting furniture. Like, I have a bad habit of collecting furniture and then not putting it into its place. And so uh, getting all that shit put, put away and put into its proper place and getting rid of garbage and stuff. Ugh. So I've been working on that the last little bit. And then, um, yeah. I hate inspection days. That's basically what it is. Yeah. They're show up and it's <laughs> like, it does, I know it doesn't I need it. to be perfect, but I, it needs to be better than what you it is right now. You want them to think you're not a fucking dirtbag. <laughs> you yeah, know, like you're Sanford be judged. and Son. Yeah. You're not fucking Sanford and Son. <laughs> I know. Junkyard, yeah. I hate it. I hate, I hate cleaning up for getting ready for somebody and then just like, look at your time. I spent half a day cleaning up knowing that, mm. ugh, I hate yeah, that shit. Sure. So, <laughs> what are you going to do? That's What's it? been going on with you, Jeff? Yeah. Well, last week I said uh, I made uh, I made I forged some hammers while my wife was away. I was all by myself. And I was like, I got to get something done. So I, I forged some hammers, and I forged one of them turned out to be a hammer. And now I put that I heat treated it, I tempered it, and I put, I carved a handle. And I goddamn love this hammer. And it's like I was mm. shocked. I made I made a hammer that was I forged this hammer. It was like similar to like a I have this German style engineer's hammer, and I made it like that, but I didn't. I didn't just clean. I wanted it fo- look, to look forward, so it's got this kind of German Swedish thing with a little bit of American colonial shit. It looks fucking great, and I forged with it today, uh, yesterday, and it's just like I got fired up. I got excited. I got excited nice. uh, that I made something that I actually can use and I enjoy using it because hammers are weird mm-hmm. because like you really start to like you you, you can't you can't say okay I'm going to forge this and then it's going to work sometimes. Something just needs to feel right, and this feels really, really good. And I'm starting to evolve in terms of the hammers that I like, and this is kind of like an evolution, an evolutionary step in the kind of hammers that I like. So it's kind of neat. Um, so, so what sort of style, what sort of shape is that? Then you see a German so engineering shape. It one. looks like it's. It looks like you know the Swedish style and the German style. They all have the, they're the more elongated faces. So it's like mm-hmm. the Hoffy style hammers, the Czech style hammers, or the Ben, the Brian Brazil hammers are a little bit more squat, a little they're bit like little chubbies, right? With um, with like very pronounced cheeks that go up and down the mm-hmm. handle. But yeah, um, yeah. this one was very like very 
rectangular and it's just everything about it it looks great but it feels fucking great and it's th- with the hammer with the handle and everything is three pounds on the money and i was just like i was super pumped and that that's one of the things about all this is i have no interest in being a hammer maker i have no interest in being uh selling hammers whatsoever i'm just kind of like seeing this as like part of the learning and doing my own thing making my own hammers and making my own tools and it was really like this this enlightenment of like mm. making something that you actually like, but it, it didn't, I had to make three of them before I like, well, that's usually what happens. I'll make three and one of them I'll kind of like, so mm. that was the same thing with this. So, um, we're, we just finally, oh, we, 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 I, uh, see, I, uh, closed the deal on this uh, big project and which is great. And we already started it and David and I started it and we're doing it. We already heat treated the night. The ch- first check hasn't even come in. We've already, he treated 20 some odd 20 28 knives and we're oh, wow. nice. we're uh we're 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 cruising along but we had to do all this all this paperwork this corporate paperwork that it was like <laughs> just fuck we need your w9 oh this w9 isn't correct and it's like what do you what the fuck now all of a sudden what it's just a production but we, we got it all squared away uh about an hour ago and and uh i'm just you know all systems go and getting ready for maker camp and you know, it's, it's all good. So, so is it kind of like a subcontracting nope, job? Nope, nope, nope. It was a w. customer, an old customer of mine who works. I'm not going to go into it, but I mean, they okay. they do this corporate gig, and they wanted to make have me make knives for this like uh, I guess like a incentive program, and then we agreed on a price, and then we did a little bit of it was a little bit of negotiating, and I closed it fast, and um, but it's like. You know, when you start to do kind of corporate stuff, you become a vendor, and it's just a bullshit. It's just a, it's a bureau, bureaucratic shit that you kind of just like. Ah, this isn't really what I signed on for, but it's a, you know, it's a good payday. So uh, we're uh, keep us busy through December, which is nice. Right. Nice. But uh, yeah, yeah. But the hammers, like, I'm like the fucking Dalai Lama, except for I'm not sucking on them <laughs> t- tongues. <laughs> call, call me fucking call me call me Wally Llama. I'm fucking there, man. I'm ready, baby. Wally Llama is in the house. Sucking tongue. <laughs> He's like the, the Russell Brand of the knife world. Yeah. What's going on with that guy, by the way? What a fucking oh, what? all sorts, all sorts by the looks of it. Yeah. Um, with Russell Brand. Actually, yeah. Yeah. What's going on? Um, Probably after show, maybe. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't think we would need to be. Yeah, well, need to know. We so got much. a lot of shit to get to, by the way, because yes, exactly. yeah, yeah. our listeners are the best listeners. Number one, I mean, ain't no better listener than a pot. You want to call to action? The Knife Talk podcast listeners are the ones to go to. They so, Maraca, we I posed the question to Craig, but then I felt like I, you okay. need to be here before we talk about it. All right, and I felt as though it was a good opportunity for not only for us to talk about it, but also for our listeners to chime in. This fucking topic. This is a this is a hot topic. So recently, I see, and I've said in the the past, and we've all heard and said, and you know, especially in the knife making community, you'll see someone say, "I was inspired by somebody, somebody, somebody to make this knife," or some people say, "I was influenced by." This person, this person, whatever. I wanted to pose the question, what's the difference between between being inspired or inspiration and being influenced by someone? Hmm. Is there okay. a difference? Hmm. And are we using the right terminology? Probably not. 
All right. <laughs> Probably not using right. the right terminology. Topic's over. <laughs> no, no, no. You answered the question. Yeah. That's five, I mean, that's people right. use them interchangeably, but to me, yeah. inspiration is something you've seen out in the world or something that's popped into your imagination, which is often sometimes referred to as divine inspiration, just something, an idea that comes out of nowhere into your head, which is difficult to do these days with so much social media in our faces and so many images and videos rolling by uh, to not maybe somehow being uh, subconsciously inspired by something that you saw that you liked. Uh, but when it comes to influence, I feel like influence is a more interactive experience. Like you've See, worked with a person. When you said, when you said divine inspiration, and then okay. you see something, and then to me, if you see something, yeah. and then you basically do that thing, you're being influenced by that idea. That's my opinion. My opinion is there's a big difference mm -hmm. between inspiration and influence. But I want okay. to hear what Craig has to say. I yeah. also have some definitions, but we have a lot yeah, of uh, a lot of things that a lot of our listeners wanted to really pipe in about. So, okay, okay. what do you think, Craig? Yeah, I I think uh, like Morocco said they can be they're interchangeable, um, and it is down to semantics maybe. Um, but I think inspiration is something probably a bit more intentional. Um, you see something that you like. Um, and it doesn't need to be even in the same field. You could be inspired by music, right. by TV. It could be anything. Um, but then I think that's something that you're intentionally acting on, I think, that inspiration. You're intentionally doing it. If you're influenced by something, it can be unintentional. You may not be even knowing you're doing it. Hmm. You've just been influenced in a way. So that could be... Um, societal just stuff around you and you know this is what you end up doing just because that's what you know um so yeah so i think influence maybe isn't as intentional as the other one which i can't remember inspiration what. inspiration yes yeah i remember back in the 90s when i was working for the sculptor he was really wild he did this amazing stuff and his work was super exciting, and we lots of welding, but lots of color, and there was it was really cool. cool. And every mm. so often, he would say, "We need to get inspired," and he'd take us to the museum to look at paintings. And mm. when we would leave, he says, "The juices are flowing now. I'm feeling inspired. I needed inspiration, but it wasn't based off of what he something that somebody that." that he was doing something like what he does do, did it was anything was would get him inspired you know mm -hmm. music would get him inspired an event would right. get him inspired you know food mm -hmm. or somebody's just creativity or or, ex, or excitement would get him inspired to do his own creative uh, cr uh creative pursuit yeah i do find it strange when people say i'm going now to go and get inspired um, um, you know, it's it's almost. I'm I'm now going to, and you, you've got your antennas up, and you're looking well, for stuff. You know, funny. I think that's a bit strange. Funny that you say that because we, uh, David and I, were just listening. Howard Stern had Paul Simon on this week, mm. and he was talking about um, what his influences were, and and he was talking about the when he was using a lot of uh, a weed to cr be creative, mm. and he felt he said that he was trying to find inspiration by using pot. Trying to find okay. inspiration, he wasn't influenced by it, but he ended up, at the end of the day, he said it was a big waste of time. But other than that, he was like <laughs> looking, he was looking to find inspiration, and he felt that as if he had altered his state, that he would find that kind of inspiration. Yeah. Um, 
when I, when I suppose that's a good difference in the difference in the, in the in the two words then. Yeah, inspired. You can go looking to be inspired, um, but influenced. I think that just seeps in. Well, maybe it's I don't know. It's a, I don't no, know. it's an interesting conversation because at the same time, I remember when I would talk uh, when I'd go when I'd bring my portfolio around to galleries and I would talk about my work. People would ask me who my influences are. And I've actually, I've gone out of my way when I meet other artists mm. and I'm like, well, let's look at your work and who are your influences? Now, in, in, with the artist thing, an artist, this is an artist, and an artist's influence is, a sub, is subjective as art itself. But mm. there's influences that shape their creation in, in a manner that works, uh, their, their works are materialized. Some artists are inspired by profound works left by masters that come before them, and others are shaped by experiences and environment around them. So when, I, when you'd ask me who my influences are, I could just say, well, you know, Keith Haring, I don't make work like Keith Haring. Like, I don't, my Keith Haring is like a, a total inspiration to me. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't feel inspired. I feel inspired to work based on his work. He is an influence on me regardless. And I think that the interesting thing is I just see, when I, in the knife-making world, I see people using influence. I, th I think that they use the word inspiration. They'll knock somebody off. I'm sorry to be crude <laughs> about it. They'll knock somebody off and they'll say, I'm inspired by what Jeff did or what Mareko did or what Craig did. And then, they'll, and then it's almost like this loophole of you're, you're letting the viewer know that inspiration is this, is this creativity. And they inspired me to do this thing. Well... I don't think I think it was more along the lines of I my work or my design or my decisions influenced your style. So when 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 somebody would ask me what my artistic influences are, and I'll say uh, uh, I'll say Giacometti, I'll say um, I'll say Brancusi. I don't make work like either one of them. I mean, I went through this mm. kind of Brancusi thing for a while, but I don't think that I mean they were clear influences on my design decisions, but I wasn't inspired by them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, it's almost like you're saying, like, uh, seeing other people's work, whether it's other knife makers or other creative work, it can inform the way you look at your own work. Yes. And, and influence the way you design your own work. Not that you're yeah. doing exactly that thing, but it affects the way you think about your work. Like yes. one of my, I would say one of my influences, now that you you talk about kind of your art background and and, and how creative people from other genres can, uh, have influenced your work. Like uh, one artist is long, long dead, but Alphonse Mucha, who was from the Czech Republic, the, was like part of the Art Nouveau movement, maybe one of the most, um, I don't know, I can't remember, I can't think of the word right now. But anyways, his work was really incredible. I, he, he's a painter he's and a drawer. And, and, uh, and, and, but the way his his work and uh, kind of influences the way I think about lines and movement through the simple shapes and forms I'm using to create my knives. Right. Hmm. Um, but they, uh, his work is, yeah, I would say he's one of my influences. But and then when it comes, so then, so then so when it comes to inspiration, Jeff, uh, just to make sure I'm clear. So it's like the inspiration is more like ideas that just kind of come to you. Or well, this is a, I found this definition from Merriam-Webster, okay. which is inspiration is the process of being mentally stimulated to do or feel something, especially to do something creative. 
Mm-hmm. And influence right. is the capacity to have an effect on character development or behavior of someone, something, or the effect itself. So I think that I think that when you use the word influence, I think that you're giving a little bit more credit to the person that you're stealing from, basically. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, I think when people say inspired, I think that you're, I I mean, I hate to say this, I'm feeling like being a prick, but that's okay. I mean, we've got to make sure these other podcasts know how it is. Meanwhile, we've influenced half the children out there, all those fucking podcasts. You're our fucking children. You're my, you know, I I hate to say it, you're our children because you're fucking, yeah. But, But I think that when you say the word influence... I think that you're at least giving a little bit more credit to the people that you've been um, that you've been inspired by or have been influenced by your design decisions and your design ethics or your 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 intentions. I think you're giving them a little bit more credit when you say influence, as opposed to I had this divine ex- experience hmm. to do a goddamn K-tip with fucking asymmetrical, colorful handles. I mean, it's just like. <laughs> Bro, I mean, come on. Yeah, but but it's sorry. Go, go ahead. On, go no, on. I go ahead. It's it's difficult because we like what we like, and we want to make what we like. So therefore, what we make is maybe quite similar to stuff that we like, which we've been influenced by. But how so, do you? But how? But what are your intentions on how you describe it? Yeah, I yeah, that's the that's that's the difficult right. bit of when you are referring to it and people will say who your influence is and all the rest of it (laughs) you're you're trying to find words not to say i've copied their work right yeah that's right you're trying to like and you're you're also trying to take a little bit less of their influence off of them and you're trying to put a little bit more creativity into who you are (laughs) but you're trying to do this fucking loophole shit that seems like like bullshit legalese you know yeah yeah, it's it's almost like a, an influence is almost like a filter. You you're like filtering your i the way of thinking and seeing things through that person, a particular person's create creativity. Mm. Well, the, yeah, the hardest part is with the whole concept on social media of an influencer. It's turned into such a, ba- a douchebag <laughs> word and yeah. a douchebag expression that people recoil. If you if you come up to me and say hey I say hi my name's Jeff what are you? oh my name's Bill what do you do Bill I'm an influencer I'm fucking in my mind I'm like you're a fucking asshole is what you are <laughs> you're, you're a fucking douchebag is what you are honestly and and wait there this is a perfect time to run an ad just a second everybody <laughs> Night Talk is sponsored by Even Heat the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available to find your next oven go to evenheat-kiln.com yeah. All right. And we're doing that simply because we love even heat. We all use them. That's the reason. But it's, it, you know, it is interesting because I start to, so every so often, here's an example. So I've started making friction folders I, like six years ago. And I liked it because I didn't, I, I did one slip joint folder and I hated every minute of it. I hated every minute of it. I didn't like all the fiddliness of it. I didn't like all the, the and then I was just like, there's got to be an easier way. And then I started, I saw someone at Blade Show making friction folders. Like, All right, it's a pivot. Let me try that. So I bolted some aluminum together and I was like, this looks like shit. And I, I kind of figured it out, but I didn't <laughs> like it. And then I was, I saw uh, Charlie Lionheart and Nick Rossi had done forged handles. I was influenced 
that they were forging their handles. And I said, that looks like a lot more fun. Let me try it. So I was influenced by Nick Rossi and Charlie Leinart and probably a few other guys who were forging their handles. And I thought, all right, well, maybe I need to figure out a way to make this my own. And I kind of like used, I was influenced by their, by their decision-making. And then I try to make it my own. So it's like my, my fiction folders don't look like other people's fiction folders. Sure. And there's, I have like explanations and why, and why I use the angle iron and why I use the, the, the subway tokens and I can explain it away. But I think it's important to be very, you know, true with your, your intentions. So mm. with that said, I think we should read from some of our listeners. Our listeners are the best. If you want to chime in, we, we might not have to, we might not be able to get all these in, but you, you, Craig, you, you, Mareko, you guys decide if you want to, you know, I'll read them off. And then yeah, you want to yeah, talk, yeah. you want to say, let's save it for next week. We can keep going. We can turn it into something else. So our friend Thirsty Work Industry says, here are my two cents on the difference between inspiration and influence. Inspiration gets your creative juices flowing while inference is a, influence has a direct effect on your designs, thereby removing much of your own creativity. For example, makers, uh, this maker expires me. She's with his... Okay. On the other hand... All right. Okay. Gotcha. So on the other hand, he says, when I made a kookery, I was influenced by Jason Knight style while not a direct copy i had one of his knives in mind that as i forged mm. no need to bust my balls jeff i'm a ham and egger and i know it <laughs> you're not a ham and egger. <laughs> but that's i mean that's a that seems like it's a more honest dis, uh, depiction of what he was doing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i think you know being up front with it as well is is, is a huge factor there as well yeah. Steve, yeah and i feel like that goes back to the what i was saying kind of about uh, influence being kind of a filter. You're filtering your own creativity through somebody else's. But it shouldn't be a dirty word. Like, right. it shouldn't be a dirty word of, I mean, because back in the day, like I said, people oh, I would ask you who your influences are. And that doesn't take away from who you are, but it's like, who do you look at? I mean, you could say, I don't look at other people's art because I don't want to be inspired or I don't want to be influenced. That's that's another thing. People say that. You don't want to be influenced yeah. by someone. I don't go to museums and I don't want to be influenced. I want to have There this- is that, that, that famous term is that you know, nobody lives in a vacuum. So we're always being influenced by what's around us and inspired by what's around us. Um, but it's how obvious we want to be with that, I suppose, you know? Steve Ellis says, inspiration versus influence. In my opinion, inspiration is more like an idea or a suggestion, as in I saw a bottle opener that Jeff made, which inspired me to make a similar one. Influence is more foundational, as in all my bottle openers look similar to Jeff's because I learned from him. I'm not saying it makes sense, but that's how I see it. Ronald Knives, big old Ronald Knives. Ronald Knives is down. He works for Gamaco. He, that boy, he is a. He is not only is he a good. Uh, he sends us a lot of good stuff. Ronald Knives says difference between influence and inspired. To put it simply, influenced is that's cool. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna try to make something like that. While inspired is. That's cool. Looking at it has made my creativity spark, and now I have an idea for something different. For example, seeing what Jeff is doing with color and the way it's stepping outside the normal inspired me to go draw my own guitar designs from scratch and not just do a normal Stratocaster or a Les Paul shape. That was good. Uh, Uncle Sam Metalworks says inspiration versus uh, influence. To me, it's what helps you get start. Uh, inspiration is what helps you get started. Influence comes later in your work when you use the st- uh, when you use styles that others that you see. Uh, Maverick Knife Works says, I think of as inspired as 
That piece of work is so inspiring, it makes me want to get to my shop and try something new. Whether that's a new technique, shape, or material, influences like getting influenced by, uh, blah, 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 you know. Basically, I think people. He says, I think people tend to be influenced by as a cover for being a copycat. That's used. Um, that's being an unoriginal thief. Uh, we got a couple more. I got. Uh, there's one more from Patton. Patent pending lifestyle. Get ready for this, guys. Hey, gents, longtime listener, first time caller here. What? Why is that? You <laughs> asked. Well, you finally posed a question. Topic worth coming up out of a two-year leave from Instagram to shed my perspective on. Oh. Yeah, here he comes. Patent pending lifestyle. I think the answer is easy, and without going into a deep philosophical rant, get ready for a deep philosophical rant, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Conscious and sub is between... The difference lies between two modes of thinking, conscious versus unconscious. Being influenced almost solely comes from the subconscious drive of processing, what is what we're experiencing on the other side of the model? We have inspiration, which is also starts from subconscious state, regardless of where we're searching for it. Uh, after we process it at a subconscious level, then we surface at the top where our conscious mind. What the fuck? You, this is a deep philosophical rant, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Go back to your fucking hole. Uh, after we process it at a subconscious level, then it surfaces the top where our conscious mind may take that thought or feeling and process it into something conceptually. Can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about this topic. Keep doing what you're doing. Signed, just some guy in some shop somewhere. So <laughs> congratulations to our, uh, to our listeners who coughed it up. Yes. Nice copy of conversation. And yeah, we need to think of more meaty subjects like this. Well, what's we the what's the, how we need to sum it all up? We need to sum yeah. it up. What's the what's the takeaway, guys? We have to close this bitch up. It seems generally people are thinking inspiration is just a, a, a cleaner word for copying. Um, right. Well, yeah, it's, it seems, yeah, it seems that way. It's to me. less. You're giving less credit to who has influenced you. Is what it is. Yeah. What yeah. do you I think? Mean, my right? takeaway. Go ahead. Is. I need to be more because I I'm just thinking back to captions that I've written. I've said it too. Yeah, uh, we're using inspiration instead of using influence, and so I, I think it, it's more transparent and and accurate to use influence. I think it's uh, nice. and I don't think it's, it's ever been a, a conscious choice to use influence because I don't want or or, or avoiding influence because I, I'm not trying to give credit somewhere. Um, it's I think it's honestly like inspiration sounds more interesting than influence, I guess. (laughs) Dude, that's the fucking takeaway, dude. That's the takeaway. Inspiration (laughs) gives the fucking person using it much more credit. (laughs) That's really what it comes down to. And God bless you. I'm sure that I've used inspiration. I've been inspired by, I'm sure it just fucking rolls right off the fingers, you know, rolls right off the tongue. But yeah, uh, yeah. the takeaway is, is mo- half you motherfuckers who didn't like to go to school should really consider going back to school. Using <laughs> the wrong word, <laughs> you know, or something. But uh, you know, look, okay. look, this is all it is. Um, last, last but not least, all it is is we're just trying to tighten our shit up. So let's just tighten our shit up. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, let's do some questions just after this. Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. 
Do it now. 15% off. You know what to do. Combatabrasive.com. Okay, we've got questions. So we are Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. People have sent us questions. And um, the first is from Fernandez Forge. Uh, Dilemma here. I made a knife a while back and I was going for a chef-inspired camp knife. Uh, I came up with what I thought was an original design. It's probably my favourite to date. I want to make more of this design. However, just recently I had an ad on my page from a big company promoting a very similar design to what I made. My dilemma is, do I continue uh, making my design even though I've now seen this big company making something similar? Shout out to Fernandez Forge for the correct use of Inspired. (laughs) Congratulations. Good question. That's a good dilemma. What do you think, Marekko? I think think you're good. Just keep making your stuff. That was easy. Look at you. Yeah, I think it's I think it's all in your head. If you're doing that with a clear conscience, I think you carry on. Um, if if you if you're not telling us the truth, and if you really were uh, did see this first, maybe you need to question it. But um, you know, yeah, you did this um, off your own back, um, and it's only later that you're seeing uh, something similar. So yeah, I mean, you're all clear conscience. Keep keep doing what you're doing. I think this has a real, both, I agree with both of you. I just want to add something a little different. I think it also adds an opportunity for you to be a little bit more creative. And these are the things, these little things that kind of come into your way. It's almost like a speed bump or a slight hurdle that could push you in another direction. You know, what are the things about this knife that you like? Is there ways that you can change it to A, figure out a way that you, you you still like it and B makes you feel like all right I'm nothing like what this guy is doing. I think that I think that these types of dilemmas are often good I think creative guidelines and creative dilemmas are often very good for your mind and allows you to kind of like kind of figure out a way to say okay let's cuz for me it would drive me crazy. I mean it would drive me crazy. I wouldn't be able to stop thinking about it. And, and, and it would be like, I'm not doing this. I made these steak turners that I put on and I even did the twist in the, in the Knife Talk podcast uh, Instagram, deep, deep, deep. And they just got fucking taken. And I was just so like, I was so, not appalled, but I was just so like, I don't want to do this anymore. I stopped. I was just like, I don't want to do it anymore. So I think it's a great opportunity for you to be more creative. We had a guy a couple months ago who made a friction folder with a cigar cutter in it. And he got a message saying, you're making my knife from a bigger company than him. And we said the same thing. This is a great opportunity for you to design something better. He redesigned it, and he said that it was a great idea because it gave him the opportunity to, like, you know, stretch himself a little bit. And he finds a happy medium or found something that he felt very good about himself about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another thing to think of here, I mean, you, you already, you've said this, this is a big company doing this. And we always, we always look up to big companies, but I think as small companies, we can be far more agile and, and change things quickly um, without having to go up, you know, huge corporate ladders or, you know, put in massive order quantities or whatever we need. Um, so, yeah, you can be far more agile and you can make a change uh, to improve it, as, as Jeff has said, whereas the big company probably can't. Because they're committed to it in such a way. Yeah. Um, so in some ways, being a small company, being able to move faster is, is a huge advantage. That's a very, very good point. And something that we never talk about is the fact that as small makers, 
with the ability to take our time and do processes that are handmade, we can we can uh, divide ourselves from big companies that cannot do what we can do. They yeah. cannot yeah. do products totally. or processes that would come close to what we do because they do volume, they have special machines, they're not people touching everything. So you have the, the how you delineate yourself between uh, as a custom knife maker to a you know a company that does like production runs is they can only do so much you know and yeah. and you have the ability to kind of Craig's right you have the ability to be agile agile yeah. is the right word what do you think Marekko I agree yeah, yeah I mean even just like tooling um, for a lot of companies it, it's several thousands of dollars uh, invested in just tooling for even if they're gonna uh, you know whatever uh, have handles CNC cut I mean, even just to get the tooling set up to be able to do that, I mean, it can be really expensive. Most of them uh, can't round the spines on the knives. Yeah, no. And Most so, of them can't round the spines on the tops of the knives. They don't have a machine to do it. Yeah. It's too expensive for them to get a guy to fucking put it on a, with a Scotch-Brite. Yeah. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. Look at us giving a good answer. God damn wow. it! What are we? Fucking Wally Lama. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Who's taking the next Go one? Go for it, Morocco. All right. This one's from Adele Knives. It says, hi, guys. Uh, I live in God's own country, Yorkshire, UK, and had, uh, and had plans to visit family in Seattle this summer. To cut a long story short, we had to cancel the trip and had and have planned to go next summer instead. I've made cool story. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say a long story short. This is a Come long on, story man. long. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I've made some knives to take with me to give as gifts, all from stainless steel. Watch your grit progression. Sorry. I've made some knives to take with me to give as gifts, all from stainless steel, stabilized wood, and G10. I'd like to store these knives to take with me next year, but how best should they be stored? Uh, I'd also usually wrap a completed knife in bubble wrap then wrap that in butcher paper and string do you think the knives uh would survive a year wrapped like that or in a year's t uh or in a year's time would you would my nearest and dearest be opening a packet of semi-fermented mush uh storing four large sharpened knives is a bit of a uh, a ball ache if you're if they're loose uh, my other thought is to put them on top of my bookcase for now and give them a cleanup and wrap them just before we leave next year. All right, so he's... Just answered his question at the end. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, I think so. You made, made, made uh, Mareko do a quarter-mile run here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? make, make the dyslexic guy read the long Jesus fucking question. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Adele Knives. Yeah, Adele Knives. What's the matter with you? Poor guy. Huffing and puffing over here. <laughs> Jesus! You said, yeah, you you've answered it yourself. Yeah. Just yeah, but it would be fine if you'd wrapped up, um, and you know, a light oil in on the both the blade and the handle. I'm sure it would be fine wrapped up for a whole year. Um, but yeah, just leave them well, out, and uh, before you go, give them a quick tune up, and off you it's go. It's a good point because there's a couple things. Number one, I had um, Ryan Brewer on uh, Full Blast, and he said he told a story of when he went down a blade show to test, and he had a fingerprint on his. Uh, knife and he figured mm. out one of the reasons why and one of the reasons why is is because he used tongue oil and if tongue oil isn't com on, on the handle and if the tongue oil apparently if the tongue oil isn't completely cured 
it lets off an off gas. And then he believes that the off gas, in, you know, ignited the fingerprint. I don't know if ignited is the right word, but he made the, made, he, it oxidized the fingerprint. And that's why it mm. rusted. Hmm. So there are, and, and there are, that can happen. And the other thing is, is your wood, even though it's stabilized, it could grow a hair. Like you feel it on the, on the Corby bolt or whatever, it could grow. Um, I've also noticed that uh, when I use AEBL, if I use, if I wrap the knife, the blade in paper towel, and then electric tape, if I leave it over the weekend, th- there was one. Oh no, no, it was a carbon steel knife, and I I oiled everything up and I wrapped it in paper towel, and I got a little tiny bit of surface rust on it. So mm-hmm. there is something to be said about. I mean, you know, you do have to be con- you should be concerned. Yeah. Yeah. When he mentions the fermented mush, um, I'll be honest with you. My knives at home that I'm using daily, I'll often use olive oil on the blade. Oh, oh give dude. Give light oil in. It's fine if you're using them every day, but if you're putting something away for some time, that'll just... Oh, rancid. Yeah, it'll, it'll go rancid and stink and all the rest of it. So don't be doing that. Um, so maybe he's done that in the past, you know, to mention fermented and mush and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, olive oil is a bad move. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, if you use the the knife every day like I do, I think it's fine. Right. Look at you, E V O O Lockwood. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would highly suggest, um, I would highly suggest even if it's stainless steel, you know, it's stainless, not stain never. I mean, you can you it'll 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 rust on you. It can, you know, especially if you're by the water and it's humid. So I would definitely consider hitting it up with some uh, oil or something like that. Um, and then, you know, check back a week before you leave. You might have to do a little tune-up on that handle. Yeah. Yeah. Get some of that in Dasa Rhinoet from TexasFarriersupply.com. Um, uh, yeah, and just give it a, a light a light brush in. Um, in Dasa Rhinoet is the stuff we all use. They've got all the grits that you could possibly need. Um, and they do stock it at Texas Farrier Supply, as well as anything else you would possibly need as a knife maker, farrier, whatever you may be. Um, TexasFarriersupply.com. Use Knife Talk 10 at checkout, and you'll get 10% off the entire order, too. Brian Fensel. Fensel. Brian Fensel says, Hey, guys, I got a quick question for you about making steak knives for restaurants. I'm assuming no matter what care instructions you give with the knives, they'll be thrown in the dishwasher, left soaking in a sanitizer, and generally abused. So what do you make a knife that will... What, how do you make a knife that'll survive the dish pit? <laughs> Craig, I'm all ears because I might be doing this. Yeah, I've done a bunch, um, and they've been probably the wrong choice. They have been uh, wood. They've been stabilized wood, whereas I think a, a G10 would probably hold that better. But um, but they've been wood because that's what they wanted, and 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 you know they look aesthetically nicer. I think for you know for a table knife at least. Um, I've been quite lucky. They've been sort of quite high end places where they've really taken the time. You know, they've been invested in the whole design process and everything. So when it comes to the delivery of the knives, I always make sure I go and hand deliver them. Um, I make like a little super, super little simple stand. Um, and it's almost like a drying rack for them as well. So if, once they're cleaned, um, they'll go into, into this rack. Um, so they, they're they not going to be sitting any sort of moisture at all. They will be just dripping off if, if they are left wet i suppose um and i haven't really had any issues um but what it does do is um i will contact them every year just to make sure that they're still happy with the knives offer 
um, if it's if it's one of the ones that I know and I, I'd want to go back to the restaurant, I can go there and offer you know just a quick tuna for them. <laughs> um, and I literally just take some Rhino Wet, um, and you know I don't do much to the blades at all, just the handles, and make them you know make them look nice again, oil them and all the rest of it. Um, and quite often that's an opportunity to upsell them to whether they want more knives mm. or anything like that. But it's just the continuing that relationship with them. Um, so yeah, so first off, you know, educate them on on how to store them you know they're they're spending a lot of money on these knives so they want to make sure they're looked after um but yeah but then offer them that service i'll be back in a year's time and um you know we'll we'll just make sure that they're still doing what they need to be doing i have a story about that i once made sculpture for a restaurant not a restaurant it was a seafood place in a stall in grand central station and this guy contacted me, he wanted a giant lure for his, oh, sorry. He wanted to contact me for this stall, for this stall. And it was a really high-end seafood place. And he's just like, look, let me put the, put the lure, the giant lure sculpture on the stall. And then I'll just give you free seafood every so often. And then as like a rental. And I said, great. So every time I would boss stop by, he'd give me a pound of this, he'd two pounds of that. He'd give me a pound of this, two pounds of that. And then he sold the company to somebody else. Well, they didn't change anything. And a friend of mine went down there and said, oh, you know, my friend made this sculpture. And he's like, oh, great. I'd love to talk to him about it. The new owner called me up. He said, ah, we're the new owners of this, that, and the other thing. And uh, we want to talk about maybe you making sculpture. And I said, well, I never got paid for the first one to begin with. You know, they didn't, they, I mean, I got a couple pounds of fucking tuna. But I mean, now I didn't really get paid. I like to get the sculpture back no response back <laughs> there was like they were just they thought i was trying to hustle them meanwhile yeah. i'm out i was out the sculpture for like a i think i got a couple of oysters and a couple of pounds of tuna you know but it oh, was like crepes. yeah that's i would i would be i wouldn't be pumped about that you know Ugh. but uh my my only fear is with these because i'm about to we may or may not be doing a pile of voice of uh steak knives is mm. I am concerned about the uh, the epoxy as a seal. Like I, I we're going to me- mechanically fasten the G10 bolts. I'm not worried about that. I am concerned about the detergent over time eating away at the at the seal. Mm. Mm. That's something that does yeah. concern me. I haven't had any issues with with anything like that really. And I've had knives in restaurants for four five years, and I know they're still being used daily. Um, and you just use G Flex? Yeah. Just G Flex. Mm. Yeah. G Flex. Yeah. All right. There you go. Gangster Flex. Yeah. I've been using to- I've been hey, hey, I've been using the Total Boat. And I hate to say it, but fucking Total Boat is tight. Really, really yeah. nice. I was just when Craig was telling me or telling the story about dropping off the knives, I could see him walking in and getting kind of like the star treatment and getting a, a big old tasty, delicious meal <laughs> delivered you've to him. You've well. got to go for a meal, exactly. Yeah, and that's that's almost in the email. So I'll pop by. Maybe we can have something to eat together. And have a <laughs> is chat, that what you, you know? say? It's like, that what you're saying just is cook me some. <laughs> build it into <laughs> yeah, a contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and yeah. <laughs> anytime I come in, <laughs> I'll be around yeah. for a four thirty. You know, for a six thirty seating, four people. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I tried to make sort of um, any sort of meetings that I'll have with a restaurant, like just after lunch service. Oh, that's a good move. You know, yeah. don't don't you come know, in the middle of service. There's, there's food about. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. a good move. All right, there you go. Well, we we have more questions. We also have great listener feedback. Your call. Okay, um, let's do a couple more questions. But first off, tell everybody about your grinder. Jeff. Holy mackerel! 
the Broadback Ironworks 2x72 made by knife makers for metalworkers, grinder, any type of grinding, uh, steel, knives, wood, sculpture, don't matter. It stuff is awesome. Go to broadbackironworks.com and... They're at Quad State now, and they're giving 10% off everything. And then pretty, I guess afterwards, they're going to still keep 20, 10% off with the code KNIFETALK10. So definitely check out what they got going on, whether it's the, the adjustable platens or the adjustable work rests or the Mareco platen or the contact wheels or the surface grinders. Or, I mean, they have a pile of stuff. And if you don't have a Broadback, you can retrofit most of those uh, attachments as well. So BroadbackIronworks.com, you've done it again. If uh, is it part of the promo too right now for the quad state that they're doing free assembly? I think so. Some, I mean, I think I think you got to be there. Oh, I, you got to be when there. This, I I don't know, but they're also when this comes out, quad state may be over. Oh, so. it's gonna be done. Okay, my bad. That's okay. Sorry. Fine. We're with you. We're with Broadback. We're with a few of those guys at Maker Camp. We'll yeah. Fuck around with those guys. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> okay. X-Troid. J- this is Jacob Goff. This is a call to action, guys. X-Troid. E-X-T-R-O-I-D on Instagram. Great guy. Jacob Goff came down the Center for Middle Arts, took a class. Awesome guy. And he goes, hello, all. Not a knife question. I'm headed to Germany next week. Is there anything I should check out, blacksmith or knife related? So Germany, you're, you've been asked. If you know anything about Germany, <laughs> go call up Xtroid. See what he has to say. Would you ever go to Germany there, uh, Craig? Um, I've been to Germany many times, but never anything knife related, no. Um, just for no, beer. I, I wouldn't know. Um, well, I have been once just for beer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you, where'd you go? Um, um yeah this oh, i'm trying to think what it's called not the oh, they have the huge steins october not, fest? I, didn't go to october, I didn't go to october fest but um munich they yeah, oh, munich, munich sorry which is which is that sort of old school german area mm. you know where they the, the lederhosen have stuff. you ever and, done i mean i went for the lederhosen not the yeah, beer baby. i'll be honest with you but yeah, yeah. Baby. have you ever have you ever done have either one of you done an october fest or like a proper october I fest no i have not no I have friends who go to Oktoberfest, and it's like total mayhem. And apparently, and I might be wrong, but one friend, he's a firefighter, New York firefighter. He go, went all the time. He says, you, when you finally get to the Oktoberfest, you get a table, and everyone's got to drink. You got to order, and if you don't, if they don't, if you come, if the uh, the wench comes by, I don't know what the fuck you call her. <laughs> when the wench yeah. comes by, yeah. when the wench comes by, <laughs> she's if she if you don't if you just sipping on it. They throw you out, so you got to like yeah. down the beer all the time. Yeah. And apparently they got like a pile of people, so they're like a drunk pile. So they carry them out, and then you oh, lose geez. your nice table or seat if you don't keep going. So, yeah, those sort of Bavarian places where 
Um, it's like it's still like that on the weekend anyway. It doesn't have to be Oktoberfest. It's just sort of their style. And I've got to say, it's some of the worst food I've ever had. Oh. Ever had. <laughs> they probably don't, so they don't go give in, a shit. They're like, yeah, these fuckers just are like, drunk. <laughs> They'll eat Fermented anything. cabbage and like just like pork <laughs> knuckles, like these massive, <laughs> just like overcooked and sliced. Just, oh, just the last time I anything. was exceptionally drunk, my wife took me to a place in Wisconsin called the Essen House. Shout out to Wisconsin. You know it. You know it. Essen House mm-hmm. is an old school Oktoberfest place where you can buy a beer stein. You can have it hung and you can have your own beer stein. And they have, um, they have the steins and then you can get the, um, the boot. And yeah. there's yeah. a game where every boot has a number on it. So if you're at a table with a bunch of people, there is a letter on the... When they give you the boot, there's a letter on the boot. And you have to... You have to say when they when it's your turn so you're passing this boot of beer around you have to say a name or a state or a place with the letter you know so j johannes mm. johannes whatever then you pass the, and then you take a big sip and then you keep going and keep going and then if the next person doesn't get it doesn't you know they don't have enough time to get the name or something like that then they have to buy the next round Mm-hmm. And if you so was this when you ran away with the boot? I did no. Etching vest. I fucking. My wife was just like my wife was. We went with these friends, and my wife was just like, "I'm gonna be the designated driver, but I want you to get this experience." I wow. got so goddamn drunk, I couldn't. I had. I mean, I had liters of beer. I mean, I was like mm-hmm. fucking nuts. I was nuts. She got me this shirt that says, "I got the boot at Essen House." I have. I love this fucking shirt. But I remember. When she drove us home and I said Hillary you have to stop the goddamn car right now and I got out of the car where the car was moving I had to take a piss like you have never seen before I mean it was like I could fill a, I could fill one of them steins I was like and the funniest part was she's laughing 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 I am blitzkrieged we get to the house and this is like a couple years ago this isn't even that long ago and then we get to the house her mother meets us at the door and I'm just all over her oh it's great to see you. So, I am a fucking. I'm the happiest drunk you're ever gonna find. But Hillary was dying the whole time because I was just. I was a happy, crazy, drunk. That's what you should do, Jacob, when you're in Germany. There you go. Brilliant. Yes. Oh, yes. Find a local God. beer keller and get on it. Yeah. The boot. I got the boot. All right. We have listener feedback. Whatever you want to do. Okay, well, I'll tell everybody, if we get some listener feedback ready, I'll tell everybody about knifeprint.com. Um, it's it's CAD in the browser. So if, you, if you're looking to design knives on screen, um, don't bother downloading programs and paying subscriptions and all the rest of it. Um, just go to knifeprint.com. It's amazing. It's all done in the browser. No licensing issues at all. Um, and the great thing about it is they've got special tools which are specific for designing knives. Um, because this is, you know, knife print. It's exactly what it says on the tin. Um, what you can do then is press print. Uh, you can either print off your design, use it as a template, or you can actually get it printed to steel. They'll laser cut it or water jet cut it, pick the stock that you want, and they'll they'll ship it out to you. Um, we did talk last week about another user case for this right. as well, about storing your designs. And if a customer wants a slight tweak, you just pull it back up. You know, you've got it saved in knifeprint.com. You just put it up, make a little tweak, and you've got a little variation there as well. So, yeah, really good. Knifeprint.com. Go take a look. We made that idea that every time you got to draw up a knife, you got to pull up that beret. <laughs> you got to pull your beret on and get set up the watercolors and set up your still life. <laughs> yes, you don't have to yeah. do that anymore. 
Which is exactly, exactly. So here's a little listener feedback. If you go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, you can give us some feedback. We got feedback from Florentine Kitchen Knives. Tomer oh, says, whoa. I hear you're coming back to Barcelona in June. That's right. The news is out. Is this an ad? He is he snuck an ad in. into this? He wanted me to know. He wanted our <laughs> listeners. I mean, you know how many listeners of the Knife Talk podcast, guys? They all come down to the fucking class. So oh, I'm yeah, going back yeah, to June. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, going, I'm going back to Barcelona in June. So nice. he's uh, he's got it all on the website. He's doing one now with uh, Horn and Heel, and uh, we're going back. So, Tomer, we're with you. Um, next is our friend J- Paul Jansen, another another dedicated listener uh when looking at business expenses i guess we're talking about business expenses he says when looking Mm. at business expenses you can break it down to the last penny but at the end of the day all that matters is the total money in is more than the total money out it doesn't matter if you know uh down the last penny where all the money is spent if you don't have any money left to spend which is a very good point that's a quite a simplistic way of looking well, at it. Well, yeah. you know, that was yeah, the yeah. question that people were asking is how far do you go when, you know, pricing everything out? And he's right. I mean, mm. I try not, I, one of the things that I try not to do is I try not to nickel and dime everything because you get crazy. You get totally crazy. Mm. Sometimes it all works out in the end, but at the same time, he's right. Yeah. Uh, nice hand. Do you still, every time you change a belt, do you still go, Every time you put, I haven't. I've never thrown a belt out. I have. I (laughs) I literally have thousands of belts. Cliff Dufton came. Cliff Cliff Dufton. God bless Cliff Dufton. I stored some equipment for him. He lost his shop a number of years ago, and I told him, "You store your lathe here." I've had this goddamn lathe, which I refer to as my uh, four thousand pound roommate. Um, It's been in the shop forever, and I I just never put a tarp over it. So I just started taking the old belts. And then, and it looks, <laughs> I mean, you don't know that there's a guy, so it's turned into this weird sculpture, and it's what people say, and then all these machinists are like, I can't believe there's a, I can't believe you did that to the lathe. And I said, no, this is a, this is the crystallis stage. I'm creating a metamorphosis. I'm trying to have that transform into a little giant or an Anyang. Because, yeah. so, uh, yeah, I don't throw them out. And another reason why is because I'm a, because, the there's just because they don't work on stainless doesn't mean they don't they, they can't work on, on regular steel. So I have knife yeah, maker, yeah, I have yeah. sculpture friends. I give it to them. You know, I don't want to throw yeah. it out. Yeah, nice yeah. handmade knives. Our friend who has given us the best submitted the best bits of all time has got another listener submission. Nice handmade mm-hmm. knives is our fucking guy right here. He's the guy who's given us good ones. He's a new listener submission idea. We are all surprised and shocked when we have a shop mishap that somehow that happens and it usually brings out quite the remark slash expletive out of our mouths. What is your go-to verbal response or response that has surprised you when a mistake happens in the shop? I was in for a treat today when my fingers slipped off a blade and had three fingertips go right into a 60-grit disc. disc. Oh. The oh, treat shit. I was in for was that I wasn't injured and that I, a six foot four, two hundred and sixty pound grown ass man, exclaimed, Youchers. <laughs> we, learn, we learn something new about ourselves every day. And now I truly believe that ignorance is bliss. Bliss. So, what are some of the things that you say in the midst? 
Yeah, I I do very often, even if I'm just like stubbing my toe on a table or something, I'll call this thing a prick, whatever it is. So yeah, you stub your toe on a table, oh, you fucking prick to the table, this this just strange object, you know. Um, but um, yeah, I haven't got any anything as good as yowches. No. <laughs> what about my, you, Rekka? Mine's usually fucking shit. So instead yeah. of it, like, and that's when it's a something. Usually it's shit. But if it's bad, it's like fucking shit. <laughs> See, yeah. it's uh, it takes it to the next level. I this yeah. well, mine is directed at the thing. Yeah. So the thing is a prick. So that the table. Oh, is so you blaming? You I, blame that? Blame you create, exactly. You give yes. it some sort of like sentience, yes. and then and then okay, yes. I'm for it. This actually brings up a. a something i'm not proud of but at the same time my sister used to say all the time shit in hell so she would say <laughs> she would say shit yeah, in yeah. hell and i ended up starting to say shit in, ah shit in hell so i say shit in hell every so often but the hmm. thing that i'm not proud of is if i have to do a project in the house for my wife or for the house or something that i promised that i would do and i don't want to do it it's been brought to my attention that I totally mutter, God damn it. <laughs> I mutter, God damn it, loud enough so they can hear. And yeah. it's always, and I'm sorry for being blasphemous, but it, I guess, I think that it's, I think they know that it's passive aggressive towards them, that I'm having to do this. So I want to inflict my misery on my family. So like, God damn it. You something like that. So I've been told that, like, and now I've had to, you know, be aware that I'm doing it. And now that I do it, I go out of my way to keep my fucking mouth shut when I'm doing any projects at home, because now I have a very specific that when I yell, God damn it out, that's for someone to hear. And I know this because my father used to do it. He, when he uh -huh. was mad about something, he's God damn this God. Damn. He wouldn't say it to yeah. him. He wouldn't say it alone, or, but he would, he wanted someone to hear him. So yeah, I've yeah. taken that on, and I'm embarrassed by it, and I'm glad I've... Thank you for hand, Nice Handmade Knives for That's a good allowing one. me to... Actually, we're, we're going to stick on Nice Handmade Knives, because he sent in a question as well. Um, he said, it's not a fun question for the show, but just a general question. Don't kill me if it's been covered recently. Um, he's a few episodes behind. Uh, but he's on about the final build-along uh, pictures we are submitting to Dharma Steel. Um, are you all just showing the blades at the live show only? He said, I checked the invitational website and they mentioned a page dedicated just to those blades, but he sort of saw no further instructions. Um, so there's two things you can do. Um, if you want to share them as you're building, which would be great to see, we do want to see that anyway, um, you can use the hashtag Dharma Steel Build Along. Um, but when but when you're finished and you're very happy with it, um, send just one, and they don't want to be inundated with lots of images. It needs to be one great image so take that one image and email to dci at dharmasteel.com your preferably um, as from last week with your fucking socks with your socks on a, and your shitty <laughs> socks on socks on yeah. and your <laughs> shitty kitchen floor <laughs> so don't hold it like you're standing there holding your dick in the bathroom <laughs> exactly yeah exactly yeah coming out of your fly although although coming out of your fly <laughs> oh my god instant winner i'm fucking voting for the guy who submits the picture sorry carl you gotta turn it off now you have the knife coming out of your fly you have white socks you're in your kitchen floor and it's coming out of your socks you're holding it like your dick oh man winner they're going to be in a dating with questions. Question. Yeah. I know it. I know Perry hates oh, me. Oh, jeez. God damn, that'd be funny. 
one and it does say stunning image and that would be quite yeah. stunning at dci at dharmasteel.com and i'm sure when it comes time to the show um you know a couple of weeks before the show i'm, I'm sure they'll they'll put up a library of all these so we can have a look at them but yeah if you want to do it whilst you're building along it's um a hashtag dharmasteel build along hashtag the d- dong pics <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez yeah Oh God! Oh. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with me. I just don't know. I just don't know. You God damn it! I mean, that, there you go. See, I did it. Yeah. I did my dad. Yeah. Oh, and you know, actually, whilst we're talking about Dharma Steel, obviously we've talked about the, the build along, uh, but the steel itself, um, we all know it's the premium stuff. Um, Damascus stainless. Uh, you can you can see more Dharma Steel dot se. Um, they're also Dharma Steel. AB, I've given in. Dharma Steel AB on Instagram. Um, go take a look at the kind of stuff people are making with it. It's always, always beautiful stuff. Um, but if you go to dharmasteel.se, you'll see a full library of all the patterns that they do, some beautiful patterns. And and they're great people. So go take a look at dharmasteel.se. I'm really looking forward to the Dharma Steel Invitational. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I gotta backtrack. I gotta fucking back. I gotta walk it back, as they say. <laughs> Because Jeff wants to see a lot of fake dick pics, basically. Well, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's a new category. <laughs> new fucking category. We were saying last week, Mareko, that the Damascus dong. <laughs> there was last week. Somebody's asking us what to do with your. How do you take the best pictures? And I said, I'm sick of seeing people. I don't want to see people with their, you know, holding their knife in their hand in their kitchen, and you see your fucking feet. You see the like the socks, and you see the, like the yeah. white socks on the the lousy kitchen floor. You know, yeah, make an effort. <laughs> Hashtag dong pics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, useless knives. Am I useless? Yeah. No, legacy blades. Yeah. Sorry, legacy blades. Heat treat question. We're getting serious. Um, I got an even heat kiln recently, and it totally lives up to the hype. I was wondering, though, when you're working your heat treat holes, uh, do you start the clock once the temp returns to the full temperature, or or does the two minutes it takes for the heat to heat it back up after putting the blade in not really matter since the steel is heating up anyway? Uh, curious in particular about what you do for AEBL uh, read. Dr. Th- Sorry, it's a bit small. Read Dr. Thomas's article, and I think I understand it. Be curious about what you've found to work best. Thanks, as always, Jared. So when you're using your even heat, when does the timer start for you guys? Yeah. Um, for me, it starts when I put the blade in. Um, if I'm taking the blade out forever and I'm back in, yeah, the timer starts when I'm back in again. Um, That's what she said. <laughs> um, but he mentions um, since this uh, once the temperature turns the full because some people would set their the, let's say if somebody's doing a big heat treatment some people would set the 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 soak time for like three hours and then just keep running knives through there yeah I, I think what he's talking about is um, he says do you start the clock once the temperature turns to the full temperature or does the time it takes to heat back up? So basically, the temperature on the readout is the temperature on the thermocouple. Right. Um, so when you open the door, for example, that gets affected quite quickly by the air rushing in. Um, but we've got to remember, as soon as that door is shut, the temperature is pretty much, because they're, they're insulated so well, all the heat is in those in those bricks around in the kiln. Um, 
So even though the, the, the temperature on the screen will fluctuate a bit because that's the temperature of the thermocouple, which is, you know, that, that's that sort of small wire, um, the temperature is pretty stable in there. Um, so if, if you're opening, you know, for, a, for a, um, to put nut blades in, for example, um, you're not really losing that much. I wouldn't worry too much about it, about waiting for it to heat back up again, you know. What yeah, do you I think, Morocco? I, I think that it starting the clock when the door closes is probably the best uh thing because even though uh you know the temperature does drop it doesn't like craig said it comes back up pretty quickly and the blades are still cold like the blades are actually going to take a decent amount or not decent amount of time but you know a few minutes to actually come back up or come up the temperature anyways um so i think having a consistent place to start at is important and i think just when the door closes is the best place to do it. Cause otherwise you're kind of like, I mean, you're watching the temperature on the readout, but you don't really know what temperature the blades at. And I feel like at that point, it, you're, it's kind of like, what's the point? I, I would just start it when the clock or when the door closes personally myself. I'll tell you exactly what I do. And then I'll tell you what I do for stain for AEBL. Okay. When I do a when I have the, and I use Dr. Laren Thomas's recipe for AEBL. I'll have, he'll have a set time of like for ABL, he's 1925. Uh, and then hold it for 15 minutes or something like that. 15 minutes. I'll do a second segment of another 15 minutes. And while, while I'll do that is if I'm doing four knives or something, they've all gone the 15 minutes. But when I, when I open the door, I don't want that to start dropping and the whole goddamn thing's all over. So if mm -hmm. I do four, I want them all to be at the first 15 minutes. I'll have the second segment at the same temperature. So I have time when I open the door and close the door and I can kind of get back up. It's not going to just dramatically drop. Um, mm. I usually will, I mean, the, I mean, I use the, I use the, the, the tap control and then it's, you know, it brings it up to temperature and then it starts the clock. What I do on the cell, if I'm, let's say I'm like this week, we did 28, we've heat treated 28 knives between yesterday and today. I'll open the door, get everything out, and then I'll press abort. I'll let it go down to 1700 or, or 1600. Then I'll put the next batch of knives in and then let it rise. It'll let it rise to the 1925. And then it starts that at 15 minutes. Then you start the right. Then. right. So okay. I'm always yeah. like giving as I don't I don't like to I like I don't like to do a straight you know let's just do two hours at 1925 and just shove it in and then get a stopwatch I want the I want the even heat to do the work so but I'll mm. bring it down in like two three hundred degrees and put them in and then let it kind of rise up slowly and then I know that when it hits the 1925 then I know that it's gradually already there does that make sense yeah, yeah. makes sense yeah yeah. That being helpful after dong picks, I mean, that's I mean, being helpful. Uh, next one is oh, this one is for definitely, definitely for Mareko. Eustace Knives says, Hey cuties, I'd done a Damascus course last weekend, and while drawing out my billets on the power hammer, I noticed my billets always look like an ice cream sandwich that have been pressed to a hard top and bottom, causing squeeze out when I cut the ends off and restack. While forging the billet downs, I was paying careful attention to rotating the billet often and forge the sides in as well. I'd love to get your ideas and opinions on how to reduce this if this was trying to keep straight lines or prevent unwanted distortions in a more complex pattern. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. 
Uh, yeah, you can't really avoid that. That the there's always gonna at the end of the bar. So say you ha- start with a, like, typically my billets are about four inches tall. By the time I reduce it down to say a half inch tall billet, um, it's and, and I maintain the same width as the starting, which is about inch and a half. So I I have a half inch tall by inch and a half wide bar that's like 36 inches long the material has to go somewhere and it's there's always going to be a little bit of loss or waste at the end but at the same time that's not necessarily the worst thing uh, because there's usually a bunch of shit at the end where either the handle was attached or there was a bunch of weld on there so it helps you to kind of get rid of that as well um, something you can do as you get further along in your forging progress and you're trying to reduce distortion is, uh, you can use drawing dies. I wouldn't use anything too aggressive, but even just slightly crowned drawing dies will really help to draw out the material in a more linear manner. Because when you're forging with flat dry dies, you're not only is it elongating but it's spreading it the material it's just like the cross peen versus the hammer face the material is moving in all faces or all directions when you're using flat dies but when you're using drawing dies they're moving in a single direction or predominantly in a single direction which will help to reduce distortion but unfortunately there is some distortion that you just cannot prevent um and so i think the trick is to learn how to put it uh, to put it to work for you, uh, rather than fighting against it, because it is completely unavoidable. Um, or some of it is completely unavoidable. And so that's, you just got to figure out how to work with it rather than fighting it. And, um, other than that, I don't, I don't think I really have any other. And the other point is, is the dyes will be heat sinks. Yeah. So your dyes, even if you're using a press or if you're using a power hammer, Yep. The dyes will draw out some of the heat on the outs, outer surfaces. It'll push out that middle, but it yep. will it will start to cool down the outsides of the of the uh, the outsides of your bar. So that the, is, yeah, very good point to to bring up, and that's exactly it. While the dyes, um, either under a press especially, are sucking out the heat, or even under the power hammer and the friction from the dies, it's sl- the outer part of the billet is always going to move slower than what's in the middle because it stays it stays warmer and more fluid. And so that is also part of the reason that material gets squished out at the ends. There you go. Look at that. Helpful, helpful. Mm. you kidding me? Jeez. We're doing <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, some people actually uh, preheat their dies. Like a lot of times, um, you don't have to, for some dies, and this is, might be controversial, you don't have to, if you have like a tire hammer or something, it's easy, you don't have to have heat-treated dies. You could have no. mild steel dies and then you just preheat them a little bit. That might help a little bit, but you're going to yeah. get it. I mean, but it, the, fa- the fact that you know, and here's another thing that you could do if you wanted to. Let's say you have a couple pairs of combo dies, combo dies or flat dies and uh, like a little fullering die. You could crown or you could crown your, the fullering side, the, the, the thinner side. You could make a set of dies that's half um, flat and then half crown dies mm-hmm. that might help you too yeah then you can yeah, do and both. like other ways to reduce distortion 
which is kind of tricky, is a, the distortion happens when you are starting. Like I was saying, my, my billets sometimes start as tall as four inches tall, and then I'm reducing it down sometimes as far as a quarter of an inch. There's a lot of distortion that's going to happen from that reduction in height and elongating that material. Um, so especially in the final uh, final steps of making your mosaic, the closer you can be to what the final dimensions are going to be um, of the bar that you're going to forge out before, say, start tiling or laddering or, or doing accordion or whatever, um, the closer you can be to that shape, that final shape, uh, the less distortion you'll experience. You still do want to go through at least probably a 25 to 30% reduction uh, of your overall dimension. Um, so if it's uh, three inches, a three inch tall billet, and you only want to reduce it down to two inches, you know, that's the 30% reduction I'm talking about, or 33% reduction. Um, I just totally lost my train. Question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Could you tell a difference <clears throat> between using, uh, let's just say power hammer and a rolling mill? Would you have the same, would you have the same distortion? Uh, rolling mill does help keep things really nice and even. Uh, the hammer is always going to in, introduce some sort of uh, impact. And even if you, you know, you use heavy, uh, what is it, like drawing dies to really, you know, you see that on Instagram posts and stuff, people are really squishing the material down. Uh, say they're simply making a, a high layer random pattern Damascus. Even after you straighten everything out, there's going to be some forging relics left behind, which are just from the movement of the material. So even even though you forge it flat and nice and smooth again, those some of those ladder or that laddering kind of impression that you you or you I guess smushed into the material as you're forcefully reducing it um, are still going to be there, and that will affect the pattern overall. So there's also you know <laughs> there's a lot to take into consideration when it comes to uh, what distortion you're you're trying to intentionally create and what you're trying to avoid and how you forge what temperatures you forge at what kind of dyes you work with um, all play a role into in how the material moves and what it's ultimately going to do look at that mm. you kidding me <laughs> drop in all hashtag dong picks <laughs> God, just to bring it back down god damn it All hey right. jeff 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 if you are canadian or north american where would you go to get your your oh, equipment your are you stuff? kidding me i'd go to maritime knife supply that's lawrence lake that fool has everything he got everything he got he got belts abrasive steels for all that stuff anything for knife making get it started resupply he got the combat abrasives he's also the canadian distributor brought back ironworks he also had the dam steel he's got whatever you need and if you don't and he got gator piss ladies and gentlemen he got it i mean you can't make it up and if you go to maritimeknifesupply.com you can get a 10% off when you buy a 10-pack of abrasive belts. We're going to go see our boy Lawrence Lake. And he's a knife maker, too. He isn't just one of them pencil pushers. He's going he to get whatever you want. He knows what you need because he takes classes, too. Uh, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com or MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca. He just got a new Anyang plugged in and, and wired in. I mean, you kidding? I mean, he, are you surprised? No. I mean, he knows what he's doing. It's exciting. You know, Lawrence Lake, Maritime Knife Supply. All right, there you go. There we go. Okay, let's take a couple more, and then maybe we can head we out. We did Blue Dog um, Knives last week. Was, we did, I forgot to take okay. that out. Okay. 
Okay. Um, Springfield EDC. Hey, boys, love the show. I own a small knife shop in Springfield. Um, M-O, Missouri. Missouri. Missouri, okay. We mainly focus on production folding knives, but I want to help foster the knife community and support local makers. What can I do to entice local makers to work with me? Uh, as a follow-up, we've been open for almost a year, and I'm still struggling with growing a following on social media. As a maker, what kind of promotional content would you like to see retailers make? The first one is easy. Two words. Pay them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it. You want to get these motherfuckers out of under their hole. Far from dull. Right. Actually, so I read that wrong. When I when I read I own a small knife shop, I was just I was assuming workshop, but it was a retail shop. Okay, okay. Mm. Uh, what can I do to entice local makers to work with me? Um, I mean, it's it's a bit of a cat and mouse because, like you've said, there you, you've been struggling to get a, a social media following as well, and that's why I know a lot of people will you know place their stuff in you know retail stores brick and brick and mortar places because these places can push for them and they have a slightly different audience um but yeah if, if you if you haven't quite got there that sort of following on social media it can be a bit of a slog um but i think yeah as jeff said have have good terms with local makers and i'm sure they'll be you know they'll be happy that there's a local there's a local shop who are, who will be stocking for them as long as you've got good terms with them i have a know? crazy and good idea at the same time I don't know if it's crazy or good, but it's fine. Find a knife maker that you like in your area and say to them, I have a great idea. You set up a table in my shop, I'll and you do post social media, I'll do social media, we'll have a day with a knife maker. They're allowed to sell their knives, and then the contract is is they'll put some knives into your shop on consignment. But on the day that they're there, if they want to sell some knives, you just let them, let them sell some knives. And then people yeah. come into the shop, and then what you'll say is at the end of the time, you will end up with like four or five of their knives in the storefront. And then you'll put them on consignment. Because if you give them the opportunity, if you just say consignment right off the bat, they're just like, fucking consignment sucks. But if you give them a day to say, set your table up in my shop, we'll do like a one-person knife talk and knife, well, knife situation. You can, you can tell your friends, you can sell whatever you want, and I'll, I'll let you take all of it. You just leave me four or five knives to keep on consignment here, and then all of a sudden you mm. that's a you get some nice you know you don't feel like a total flea bag and you're not a pimp and you're kind of doing some good stuff yeah. for everybody. Yeah, and it would benefit both right. of you too because you know you're utilizing their social media as well to right. get people to your right. store and don't be yeah, greedy and don't idea. be greedy because it's like it don't pay, it's not worth it. All of a sudden you got a guy and all of a sudden this knife maker tells the other knife makers, yeah, um, what's gonna call it? Springfield's the man. He he did me right, and then all of a sudden you create this organic, good thing. Just don't don't look about it of the money. Look about it the relationships. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Cross promotion, I think, is is a pretty important currency to to have. Or yeah, yeah. Because go ahead. Sorry, I was just gonna say. Even though a lot of knife makers do not ultimately buy other knife makers' work, there is a lot of value of other knife makers promote or of knife makers promoting each other and sharing them across their various platforms and through their pages. And that op the opportunity there is that you you are introduced to another audience. Maybe there's probably some crossover, but not, not, not a hundred percent. There's never going to be a hundred percent and you never know where your new clients and customers are going to come from. And so, yeah, 
And if, work, let's yeah. say that other knife maker decides to have, sets up a table, brings some knives in, you let them, you don't fucking soak them. Don't even ask for, yeah, oh, listen, you just come in here, you do your thing. At the end of the week, at the end of the show, you leave me with four nice ones. Don't soak them, right? Let them sell it. Let them do their thing. They're going to bring people in who might not have normally come into your shop. Sure. Next thing you know, maybe you have some good sales. Maybe you sell a couple of this, that, you know, the thing, and you're creating a good vibe. And then people, you know, Missouri's not a bit, you know, there's a lot of people are over there. And maybe all of a sudden that becomes your thing. And once a month you have a new knife maker set up a table at your shop and, you know, they clog the toilet and they use the, you know one of you and then they want your wi-fi password and then they eat the sandwich out of your refrigerator you know how it's gonna be come on man. yeah okay well look i'm gonna t- i'm gonna t- i've picked a, a question here for you jeff so morocco if you want to look down the okay. list to see anything that um, strikes a chord with you and then we can head out so jeff this is, for you. this is from trey scott um hi there i was curious if you had any suggestions on how to touch up a stonewashed Oof. finish <laughs> that's a good one with, with the handle on mm. oh baby I, mm. I have not fallen for that banana tailpipe yet but uh mm. i don't that's a good question so the way stone wash finish works and i'm going to give you the if you really want to know how to do the stone wash finish matt gentry has got a youtube channel and he did one and he's going to do another one more so the idea behind a stone wash finish is you get your knife ready to go it's at the grip progression, whether or not you hand bl- sandblast. Somebody, somebody gave me a suggestion to hit it with a sandblaster before you etch it. That's a great idea, too. So you get it, either belt finish, hand sand, whatever. You stick it in a, in a formula. We're not talking about the formula that's going to darken your knife. And then, you're, once it's darkened, you stick it in a stonewashed, you know, a tumbler, basically. And there are different ways you can do it. You can buy a tumbler like I did, or you can get some PVC pipe, throw some rocks in there, and then you agitate it, you know, uh, whatever. And then it kind of, at a, in a very, you know, random uh, pattern, it takes, away little, it takes away little parts of the etch. So you end up with a stonewash finish. If I had to f- touch up a stonewash finish with a handle on it, I do not know what I would do because the idea would be you'd have to re-etch it, then put it back in the tumbler. If you have like something nice, I would think maybe I mean, if it was a G10 and maybe you were felt, you know, felt like you had this giant set of balls on you, you could wrap it up with some tape and stuff it in there. But there's water in there too in the in the stone wash, so mm. I would. Um, I would consider trying it maybe with, you know, wrapping it up with duct tape and bubble tape and electric tape and all the tape and, you know, try it out. But mm. that's, I mean, my balls aren't that big. So, I, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, um, this is a finished blade that you're still, right. you're still washing. The only thing you, you need to do at the end is, is to sharpen. But are you finding that the tumbling will sort of roll edges if, you, if, if they're taken down too low? No. The, 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 no? the tumblers that I've been using, it doesn't... I was hoping to get more impact. Like, I thought that it was right. going to be a lot of impact. Maybe this isn't an industrial tumbler. Maybe the, the, So there are some tumblers that are there to take off scale or they take off scale mm. and then they'll take off um edges and corners and stuff like that this one what i have here is not that so it, it's right. i don't okay. even it's think it's a, it's not even yeah. i don't necessarily think it's a some of them are called parts cleaners too i'm not 100 sure it's a parts mm. cleaner this is just like i got some media and a tumble you know and a, and a vibrator basically 
Mm. You know what I'm saying, baby? Well, hashtag, hashtag saying. get your tumbler, baby. <laughs> Jeff vibrator. <laughs> hashtag, hey, baby, your peach is fuzzy. My tumbler's full. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've got to apologize. This seat of mine is creaking like I don't hear it at all. I don't hear it either. It doesn't normally. I don't hear it at all. But um, yeah, I haven't got wind. It's literally. Oh, I was hoping I was farting your brains out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I did. Right, what you got? What miracle? I got got? a question about safety here. This is from Woodstock Blade Uh, Maker. I know, so people get so mad when we talk about safety. (laughs) They do. So they stop listening to the show. We talk about safety for five minutes after doing this show for fucking five years. And all of a sudden, I'm leaving. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. It says, hey, uh, this is from Woodstock Blade Maker. It says, hey, man, can I ask you a question? I know that with high grit J weight belts, you can get some chatter from the seam on the back of the, uh, from the seam on the back of the belt when grinding. But I've, I'm also experiencing the belts start to move off the contact wheels and platen when I use it. Like uh, when I push the steel to the belt, it begins to come off the grinder by sliding or walking to the right. I've had one fly off the grinder completely. Belt wasn't broken or anything; just flew off the grinder. I have a very uh, sorry. I have to be very careful. Oh, wait, what the fuck? I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time reading this. Having to be very careful, uh, barely and barely touch the blade to the belt if it's not. Uh, for it to not do this with even the slightest little bit of pressure the belt starts to walk off the grinder have you experienced this what causes it and how can i correct it Uh, i've definitely had this happen to me before me too yes what do you think craig um i'd possibly one of one of two things maybe so first of all you want to check that it's just tracking right when there's no pressure on there at all that it's running nice and nice and straight um there's a chance that you're just not putting enough sort of pressure on that, that you're not you're not pulling out that um, the platen enough, the tension, to, you know, make enough tension yeah. on there. Um, but also, maybe your platen isn't as flat as you think it is, um, so it's just sort of crawling off. Mm-hmm. You know, um, quite often if you've got a, if you let's say you're using a tool rest um, as I do, um, if it's fixed in one position, you will get as we talked about, you know, in the past, you know, slight imperfections of the platinum where you're always using that same bit um and yeah if that's not completely flat i could see how the maybe the belt could sort of be trained to move off then um but there's the only two things i could think of really why that would be happening yeah what do you think Morocco? um yeah i think to me uh it sounds like tension is the issue uh and even when you put your especially a j weight belt which a bit essentially the backing is a kind of denim material um mm. You put it on there, everything's nice and tight. Um, maybe, I, I don't know what this guy's uh, grinder looks like, or what kind of machine he's using, but sometimes it's, like it's a just a very the delicate spring. grinder. Well, very it, delicate. It, very delicate. <laughs> um, it, it might be the spring action, it might be a ratchet, I don't know what. But what happens, um, even if you put the belt on and you have a lot of nice tension with those lighter weight, with that J weight belt, over time in use as it warms up and you use it for grinding and sculpting, whatever it stretches out and you have to kind of, as the belt gets more use under it, you have to kind of slightly adjust, uh, the tension because of that, uh, often on my broadback, I'll put the belt on, um, and then I'll actually, I'll push that tension arm up just for, just to keep it in place because I, I have this issue with J weight belts the most. And, even just within one 
uh, session of grinding and sculpting a blade or uh, a handle, uh, even just just within one grit. Um, I'll I'll start out with a fresh two twenty, say, and I'll do a bit of sculpting, and I can start to feel either the belt feels a little spongy or whatever. So, um, or it seems to be floating off. To me, that says, oh, the tension's low. Maybe first I'll check the arm, and if I push the arm up, maybe that'll fix it. But maybe the arm's up as far as it's going to go. That means I need to st- turn the machine off and adjust the tension, pull that tool or the tool arm out to suck up any slack that's been created from that belt stretching, and then suck I'll go back slack. to work again. Suck up that slack, one hundred percent. And uh, and you got to and sometimes you got to do that two three times. Um, but that, that is definitely something that happens often <clears throat> with J weight belts. And I've had that same thing happen where, uh, the belt just comes flying off. And <laughs> honestly, I think that happened the, the one or a couple times that's happened is because I didn't even like tighten up the tool arm. I just threw the belt on there and then turned the machine on and then it went flying off because I forgot to adjust the tool arm. Um, but I'm guessing that's not what's happening here. It's just the, the tension isn't there. One thing also is, and I've noticed this, if you have uh, the, your tool arm is aluminum, if the the rat the the screw the tightening screw can slowly slowly create a channel mm. and it can slip back. So sure. c- watch your mm. check out your tension arm, take it out and take a look to see if there's like a little track that your the 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 locking nut or the 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 ratchet screw is like kind of slipping and if you're pushing sometimes it slips and if your tension is super tight but you notice it still slips what you can do is with the broadback you can take the the uh you can take your aluminum bar and turn it around and have a brand new stretch but i would suggest taking a look to see if you've kind of your your locking nut is is uh is slipping you know the ratchet screw for your arm is might be slipping a little bit Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we've done enough. I think we've been helpful enough, these goddamn people. <laughs> I think so. It's been a good you know? show. Yeah. We've been helpful yeah. enough. You've all been inspired. Uh, You've all been influenced. There you go. <laughs> nice. Right. Okay. Thank you for listening. Speak to you again next week. Bye for now. This show is brought to you by. So Russell Brand then, eh? Yeah, what what's going on with Russell Brand? Do you no, not know? I oh, right, know. okay. So Channel 4, which is one of the big channels in the okay. UK, um, it, uh, early last week, they put out a big sort of press release and they're all over social media. And they, they've got a big, they, they do the show called Dispatches, which is like a, quite a sort of heavy journalism um, investigation show. And um, they said they've got this this huge story they've been working on for years. And um, it's regarding uh, like a high-profile celebrity um, and what they've been up to. So you know, everybody was like, "Who, who is this, and what oh. could this be?" Kind of thing. So the, you know, they just put it. They, they, they just went on. It was like late on a. I think it was a Saturday night. They showed it as well. It was a big okay. show, and it was about this whole basically an investigation that they've been doing into um, accusations uh, of Russell Brand, um, various stories of, of rape oh, and, and just just terrible, terrible, awful stuff, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, and it it turns out, you know, for years um, he's had in, like injunctions and super injunctions to stop that, you know, the press talking about various things and taking people to court and stuff like that. So the fact that they they put this out there 
to me suggests that it's sort of that it's rock right. tight, you know, because they're put, they're putting themselves up for so mm-hmm. much sort of criticism. That, that these, I think, I think there's been four females coming forward, um, um, saying that they've been you know sexually abused and and you know some were like under sixteen oh, at the geez. time, and oh, so geez. on. Um, apparently, these are all sort of high profile figures as well. But the, again, the fact that they they wanted to be you know unnamed. Just goes to show they've got nothing to gain from it as well. So, you know, why would they? It's, yeah, it's all, it's all pretty damning stuff. And I know the police are now involved and it's, it's, it's become a big thing. So at one point, Channel 4 then took down the show because you can watch on all the cat, you know, all the streaming media catch up shows and all okay. the rest of it. Um, they took, they took it down because they said this, this could damage the, uh, the police investigation. Um, but I know today it's gone back up. So I'm not quite sure what's mm. happened there. Um, but it's all pretty damning. And, um, you know, they're even saying that, you know, he knew this for like 10, 12 years. He knew this has been coming, you know. And apparently people in the industry have always known about him and all the rest of it. So, you know, he was, he was a massive deal. I know he went over to, yeah. to America and, he, you know, he he did some sort of films, but not really as a huge star, I suppose. Uh, but in the UK here, he was, he was a massive deal. He was all over the TV yeah. presenting shows and, you know, his stand-up and all that. And then he went to Hollywood and, as I say, did he his was, films. He was married to... Um, um, Katy Perry for a while, right? To Katy Perry, yeah. And um, have, have you Mama seen the Mia. video that came out? Mamma Mia. Of when oh, he Katy texted Perry, Mamma Mia. Oh, my God. Yeah. She's something else. He texted her um, to say, I think we need to divorce. Literally, as she was about to walk oh, yeah. on stage for like one of the biggest shows of her life. And he's just... Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, just, Hillary and Lila were watching. We went to see Katy Perry, and then we watched that thing, and we were, they were very upset about it. Yeah, what a dick. Yeah, piece of shit. Ugh. But um, but that was almost part of his sort of shtick as well. That you know that he was this this womanizer, no one's safe, and that was part of his sort of act and routine. So almost as if he was, he was just. But know, it's more than that. I mean, he's also he's also kind of transformed himself because I remember when he was a comedian. I remember when his movies were coming out, and I he would come on the radio shows, and he was good. He's a great guest, by the way, because he yeah. he's he's very very quick witted, very, very funny. Yeah, yeah. But there was also this massive self uh, self righteousness, and yeah. for the past yeah. number of years. He got into jujitsu and he got into yoga and all of a sudden now he knows how to fix the world and he's telling people how to live their lives and he's become like Gary V Jr. with like a v- and he's got this YouTube channel where it's you all don't about know what you're talking about. Yeah, the he media. knows everything. Yeah, and and uh, the media uh, they're out right. to get everybody. And you know whether he just saw this thing coming and he's just like, well, I need to try to protect myself a bit here by saying they're all after but me. But he is you know? so self righteous um, that it's just like you you, oh, you yeah, yeah, wonder. Yeah. If the media makes a decision to go after these guys, because like, mm-hmm. here's a good example right now. You know, Dave Portnoy is no, Rekka, no. you know, Dave no. Portnoy, right? I don't know. He's the, he- he's the president of uh, barstool sports. He does the pizza oh, reviews. Okay, yeah. Best pizza. Re- I mean, with you like him, you don't like him. The best pizza reviews in the country. The best. I mean, he, he's really, really good. And he, you know, whether you like barstool sports or not, that's a different story. So he found out that the Washington Post was going to write a story about him, and they were because he got some of the emails forward to him, basically them saying, "We're doing an article on uh, on Dave Portnoy. Are you aware that he has all this history as being a misogynist and being?" And he approached them and said, 
are why are you are you writing this article with your mind already made up so it became this whole thing where it's very close to you can say that a lot of these media people do target people completely target mm-hmm. them for you know for a reason i'm not saying i'm not denying if they're not playing well, the game with them, I mean, I I'm not. I'm, yeah. I, I know. I'm not surprised at all that Russell Brand is a piece of garbage. That doesn't surprise me at all. And no. and but no, at the same no. time, it's like it is surprise. It always. I always wonder if they're if they're being fair when they do these things or saying this guy's a kind of a piece of shit. Let's go after him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was quite a sensationalized yeah. way yeah, of doing 100%. it as well by saying, you know, this thing is happening Saturday night. It's like prime time yeah. Saturday night. We're putting this on. Um, and, you know, he obviously knew it was happening because, you know, they'd, they'd asked for statements and all the rest of it. So, that, you know, he knew what was going on and people around him knew what was going on. Um, so it's a strange one how the police weren't just involved straight from the off, you know, that it took this to ha- it took this to get it that yeah. far. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's like it's just news yeah. nonstop. I don't blame them. The that's, that's the, the yeah. UK bread and butter bullshit stories, right? <laughs> Yeah, they love true, them. Quite true. I mean, thank yeah, God for all those weird. It. I don't. I don't get any better weird news for for anything if if it wasn't for the UK <laughs> papers, UK press. It's just. It's the, the thing is, it's dead. It's dead. So it only deals in sensationalism right. now. Yeah, sensationalism, right. and it's yeah, it's 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 a strange old place. Um, but yeah, this seems as if these are a real a real nasty piece of work. Well, speaking about the news, we didn't ever talk about that Will Willis thing. Maybe we should spread this to next week. We- didn't we maybe let's, we, yeah let's tease we've, it. we've done a we, lot you watched that video Mareko, that i sent you guys i haven't watched it yet actually let's let's do another radio tease so will willis was on a podcast he was the former host of forge and fire and he talked about why he's not there anymore and it's very sensational mm-hmm. let's do a radio tease and do it next week all right <laughs> It's out there. These these bastards being all sensational yeah. about everything. Like, next, next week, week we've got <laughs> that's perfect. Hashtag dong picks. Read yeah. all about it. We'll have our opinion <laughs> next week. Same station. <laughs> Fine. Um, with that, I think that's a show. Oh Jake? yeah, let them yeah. hang. Let's call wait, it a day. Wait, wait, Let's I'm call gonna, it a day. You cut it off when I sit. When I write. When I. So here's what I think about Will Willis. Nice 302 job. shows. Uh, we finally hit our stride. Uh, <laughs> or or maybe 299. You never know, right, Craig? Possibly. <laughs> possibly. Right. Okay. Thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.